This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear, foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory. Now when these things begin to take place, Stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. We're going to go deep today into the prophet Jeremiah, but before we do, uh, I want to address what I, I think might be the elephant in the room after hearing this Gospel reading. Just over two weeks ago, 128 people were massacred in Paris. Last week, the city of Brussels in Belgium was under siege. Yesterday, 15 people were massacred in Honduras, a drug raid gone bad. Black lives matter. So do Syrian lives and Palestinian lives and Nigerian lives. According to a 196-nation report that just came out on Thursday, the world spends about $300 billion a year in disaster relief. And over the last 20 years, the five countries that surprised me with the highest number of national disasters were, first, the United States, second, China, India, Philippines, Indonesia, 25,000 people die every day because of malnutrition. Far more than that don't have adequate drinking water. Deadly viruses, pestilence, run rampant over the world. There are indeed signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth and distress among the nations. But we have to be very careful where we go with that. This reading we just heard from Luke is far less about predicting the future or what some like to call the end of time, whatever that is. 
It's not a biblical concept. And then it's more about Jesus just naming what was all too true right then and now that the powers of the heaven and the earth are shaking. All three of our readings today are far less about predicting the future or proving the Bible's reliability in predicting the future than they are just about telling the truth. That the world's a mess. A chaotic mess. And that these are tough times. That is exactly what struck me from our first reading from Jeremiah. And we're in the 33rd chapter of Jeremiah. It was written sometime between 587 and 586 B.C. We know that because it's tied to some very concrete historical events. We know when this is happening. Babylonian Empire, underneath a megalomaniac world leader called King Nebuchadnezzar, had already destroyed Judah and was laying siege to the holy city of Jerusalem. Jeremiah is convinced, because God told him this was what was going to happen, that this Babylonian invasion was God's will, was God's judgment, because both Israel and Judah had refused to love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their strength, and all their soul. For more than two decades, 20 years, the kings of Israel, and most recently the king Zedekiah, were corrupt, were self-seeking, were exploitive, and God called Jeremiah to be a prophet of doom, to publicly condemn and announce God's judgment on them for their evil ways. And after doing that for years, we're in the 33rd chapter, now it is all going down, it's all happening. The city is surrounded by a powerful Babylonian military, Food and water are running short inside the city, as well as tempers. And just before our reading today, Jeremiah has delivered one of his classic scathing, Thus saith the Lord, you better repent, you evil king. And Zedekiah, the king of Israel, reacted by putting Jeremiah in jail. Not just in jail, but in a cistern inside a dungeon inside a jail. It's Israel's darkest moment. Judah had been laid to waste, and Jerusalem is next, is under siege, and the lone prophet of God, the one faithful person, is in jail. And Zedekiah pulls Jeremiah from the cistern, drags him out into the center of the courtyard in front of everyone, and publicly repents. Woe, woe is me, woe is us, you're right, you're right, Jeremiah. We lost all interest in God and God's kingdom and God's value. It was all about us, about our kingdom. We deserve God's punishment. Now it's too late, it's too late. We're all going to hell in a handbasket. And that's where our reading begins. Jeremiah, picture him muddy from down in a cistern, emotionally if not physically wounded, Babylonian army shooting flaming arrows over the wall. Jeremiah steps up and delivers one of the most hopeful messages in all of Scripture. So much so that in our tradition we read it once a year on Reformation Sunday, the hope of the church. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise that I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which you will be known. The Lord is our righteousness. 
amidst physical and emotional suffering, arrest, incarceration, abuse of power, might, wealth, Israel teetering on the very brink of disaster and annihilation, all of which Jeremiah has described to their shame as God's judgment on their faithlessness and their greed, a ruthless foreign army perched to destroy them at any moment. And the darkest moment, the worst situation imaginable, Jeremiah delivers a word of hope. Listen, listen, God is coming to this world incarnate, gathering God's people in love and peace. The lectionary on this first Sunday in Advent pairs the words of Jeremiah with the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Neither one of them pull any punches. Neither shies away from the ugly truth, the pain, the chaos of the world. But both of them are words of pure hope. It's Advent. Uh, Christmas is around the corner. I got to be really upfront. I love it. I love this time of year. I love everything about it. I don't want to say this too loudly. I wouldn't mind if we had a little bit of snow right now. My St. Nick gifts are all ready for next week. That's our St. Nick collection out in the Narthex. Knowing that we would be busy when I returned from sabbatical and short staffed, we did our Christmas shopping, brace yourself, in September and October. Wrapped our presents on the way to Jacksonville in Waycross, Georgia. They thought we were crazy with our CD playing Christmas carols. 92 degrees outside. Hand delivered them for grandkids. Big garbage bags up in their garage. They don't even know they're there. Can't wait to call them on Christmas Day to say, hey, why don't you go up in the attic? We put the tree up at our house on Friday. No lights. My mother would go crazy if that happened. Anne's cranked out some gingerbread cookies already. Our choirs and our band are rehearsing for Christmas, have been for months. Cross-current concerts next Sunday. Kids' programs are two weeks at 11.15. Gay men's chorus is here in just a couple of weeks. We've got three worships planned on Christmas Eve. I mean, it's awesome. It's just absolutely awesome. I love all of this. But I'm also not blind. I'm aware that all of the Christmas cheer in the world cannot cover up, cannot compensate, as some of you know too well, who this year are carrying heavy burdens and laden with grief. All the holiday cheer in the world can't cover up the gloom, the hurt, the fear, the tragedies of the world right now. We are about to celebrate peace on earth and joy to the world under the shadow of ISIS. and All of the mayhem it is unleashing in the world and all the counter mayhem It's calling forth from the nations of the world. And we are not, as a nation, on the verge of collapse, but there are many of our sisters and brothers in the world, Christians in Cairo and Mosul, African Americans in Chicago, refugees at the borders of their neighbors who are enduring a time of trial, an apocalyptic period, personal, familial, cultural chaos. And some of them can identify with Jeremiah being locked up and not able to get out. And some feel trapped in a spiral of illness or unemployment or aging that's destroying them. And some feel like they can never be secure. They can never provide even the basics for their children like the earth is constantly moving underneath them, a constant earthquake. It's It's just not easy to speak words of hope in the midst of those kinds of situations. And if not careful, 
When we do, it can even sound trite and glib and Pollyannish and pie in the sky and like we got our heads in the sand. It can even create anger and alienate those who are hurting the most. It's all going to be fine tomorrow, tomorrow. No. And that's what sticks out about these two readings today. They are hope amidst the chaos. They are light in the darkness. Jeremiah reminds us that even in the midst of life's worst, even our self-induced worst, God has a word, God has a plan, God has a promise that God will fulfill. Jesus tells us that there is a future, his future, a world of hope, and we ought to be looking forward and working toward death, destitution, destruction, do not have the last word. God's grace, God's coming kingdom, God's promise for you and for everyone you know will not be thwarted by a bad economy or unemployment or disease or war or conflict or poverty or even by death itself. Those of you who know me, I am, uh, I am not about fake holiday cheer. Um, I'm not a shill for consumerism. I'm not Donny Osmond or Andy Williams. And this ain't some holiday special we gather for designed to distract and anesthetize us to the world. We worship a God of hope. Our ancestors were overrun by pagan armies, were fed to lions, were burned alive, were used as target practice and gladiator pits. And what carried them through all of that was not family gatherings, new clothes, tinsel on a tree, and holiday spirit. It was the word of the Lord. A vision of a day that is coming when all of creation will be restored. When everyone will have a seat at the table. When the last will be first and the first will want to be last. When the lion's going to lay down with a lamb. And God will gather all of God's people in love and in peace. I don't know how it's happened like this. Advent, a historic time of anticipation and hope. Juxtaposition with a culturally crazy weekend. We, we can't even agree what to call this weekend. Is it Thanksgiving or is it Black Friday? And which one's most important? It's like someone threw a switch and we're just all supposed to slap on fake smiles and start the Christmas countdown as if none of this bad stuff is happening. That's a bankrupt vision. And we know that. There's trouble in the world. There's lots of it, and lots of it is of our own making. Our hearts are broken. Our eyes are wide open to our pain and the pain of our neighbors. And so much of what passes as Christmas in this world cannot bring us hope. The world's a mess, a chaotic mess. These are indeed tough times. But there is a word of hope. I remind myself and now you, there is a word of hope. We say it every week in one of the creeds, he will come again. We say it as we gather at the meal, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. So here it is one more time, a word of hope from an old prophet a long, long time ago. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise that I made with the house of Judah and with the house of Israel. 
In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous branch to spring up out of the house of David, and he will execute justice and righteousness. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which we will all be known. The Lord, the Lord is our righteousness. Amen.